The F Word at Work from Fertility Matters at Work is a conversation about fertility and how it affects people at work. You'll be hearing conversations from our community about what they experience when trying to build their families, as our aim is to help you better understand this issue by sharing these stories, along with our own insights from the work we are doing. Plus, we'll be talking to the organisations making these cultural changes the norm, as well as bringing you thought leaders from the workplace wellbeing space. It's about those of us that work in HR and those of us who are employers to be cognizant of anyone who is having difficulty trying to conceive if they do raise that or if they're seeking fertility treatment. Saying that is also about understanding that not everybody may want to discuss with their employer about any concerns and actually to support them to use whichever channel that they find is useful. But I would say that primarily more than that it is about access having time to seek the care get the investigations that they need welcome to another episode of the f word at work if you are listening chronologically and you've listened to part one and part two then thank you from the bottom of our hearts for giving us your ear holes if you've just joined us going oh what's all this then this is the third part of a three-part bumper podcast episode that is the audio from a Zoom conversation that Fertility Matters at Work held to discuss diversity and inclusion and the impact that fertility has on this whole conversation. We were really keen to bring a whole host of amazing voices from our community to you. We couldn't decide where to stop, hence the 90-minute conversation. And I'm delighted to be joined by one of my co-founders, Claire Ingle, who couldn't be there on the day, but she's here now. It was myself and Becky. We're the three. Claire, first two parts of that conversation. So that was an hour. Mm-hmm. We've got about half an hour to go. What did you think when you were listening back? Oh, I I mean, you know, this is totally my up my street, Nat. So listening to it was just brilliant. And there's, uh, and again, there's so much more that could be said. You said it in, in the, the last episode. There's so much more that can be said about this conversation. And 90 minutes feels like it's just literally scratching the surface so and I think what I'm most proud of is there were a real there's a real range of people around that table having the discussion I don't think we've even reached 30% of them and you know I know we'll continue to do that as we grow but really interesting to hear those different comments those different views and experiences and I think if you've listened to what we've shared so far and if you're listening to this and you think guys you've totally missed this you know we are always learning as we said in our previous episode and we can't stress that enough we want to hear from you we want to hear from your experiences in the workplace also if you're in a leadership position and there's challenges that you face that you haven't quite found the answers to in terms of fertility and family building struggles we'd really appreciate having those conversations with you because we are trying to pull the knowledge and all of us to get better at having these conversations so have a listen to this next section and we'll rejoin Claire to get her Jerry Springer final thoughts at the end. Now, before we get into this episode, we just want to say a big thank you to our sponsors for this series, Apricity, which is next generation fertility. And Apricity has a unique virtual model that uses AI innovation and technology to reimagine fertility care. Now, to explain that, the technology Apricity use is through their virtual model. So they have virtual consultations and specifically their bespoke treatment app really guides and supports patients and their partners through their journey. So they never miss an injection. They have instant access to their medical team and a dedicated advisor seven days a week. Apricity offers family building benefits to employers, health plans and individual patients 
And this goes from diagnostic testing to full fertility management, including medical treatments such as IVF, egg donation and egg freezing. Apricity helps build families by providing access to the best doctors, technology and unlimited support. Now, the Apricity Fertility Benefit can be bespoke, designed for your company, for either flexi benefit, cash allowance or through your PMI. And you can discover how Apricity can support your employees just by visiting apricity.life. We're focusing on a number of areas of intersectionality that we can't do justice to in this one conversation. However, we're going to do so in the future in more depth. So look out for that. Fertility isn't one dimensional, as you've seen, um, but it intersects with many of the other challenges that workplaces face when it comes to the diversity and inclusion agenda. And one of the important nuances to consider is in relation to the impact on cultural aspects and those impacts that they have on people's fertility challenges. And we're joined by Dr. Christine Akechi, who is the co-chair of the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists Race Equality Task Force. And Christine is an obs and gynae consultant who works to raise awareness of ethnic diversity in fertility treatments. And we're also joined by Nonnie Martins, who is a fertility patient and the founder of Unfertility, an organisation that supports black women to break the silence, stigma and shame around unconventional fertility journeys. So welcome to both of you. And um, I want to start with you, Christine, if that's OK. We know from the HFEA report back in 2018, which looked at the barriers faced by different ethnic minority groups accessing fertility treatment, that black women are less likely to present. And for sometimes it's over a year later than for white women. Can you start just by sharing your insights on the factors that affect black and Asian women and the likelihood of them seeking help for gynae issues? Sure. So the first thing to say is thank you so much for inviting me here today and apologies if you hear some extra noises. I am multitasking and I am on a labour ward today. But this, in a way, brings into sharp focus some of the discussions that we are talking about today. And one of the things that actually I push back against very, very strongly is often when we're talking about Black and Asian women, it's almost seen as an other. In a way, it's actually, it's not a cultural issue or an equity issue. They are individuals that are as valid as everybody else that we've spoken about today. But it's about understanding some of the extra barriers that may be in place with certain individuals. And today I'm just going to use the lens of race, okay? But I could use any other lens and we've used to talk about many other lenses. Mm. Now, often what is unknown in the workspace is that Black and Asian women may have a number of factors that complicates their gynecological health, which then has forward consequences for their fertility health and well-being. And so the HFEA report published in 2018, or looking at data from 2018, actually highlights this very, very clearly, that when Black women and Asian women present due to infertility, they have a number of additional complicated factors that can contribute as to the success of IVF. And in particular, when we're talking about Black women, we know that Black women tend to present on average a year and a half later compared with white women. And when we've looked at that data closely, it's not necessarily because of lack of awareness. It is because of some of the gynecological conditions that can delay their referral to fertility. And often what we're talking about here is fibroids. 
But that was not the only interesting data from the HFEA report. We found that when black women are in a fertility space and, and they are seeking treatment, that for example, we've been talking about surrogacy and that if they're looking for egg donors or sperm donors, that unfortunately they are less likely to find ethnically matched donors. So only 2% of the egg donors and 2% of the sperm donors come from black donors. So it means that their choices are incredibly limited. But what does this mean from a work perspective? I mean, what can you know, employees and people in HR really do? It's really about understanding that women tend to present before talking about fertility or infertility, they present with complications related to their gynecological health. And I'm really talking about heavy periods, painful periods, irregular periods. And what we have found is that often there is a delay in difficulty for these women seeking the care and the investigations. So i.e. getting the GP appointments or getting the time off work to come and see a gynecologist such as myself. But what we do know is that early intervention improves their fertility outcomes. So, for example, if we are to diagnose fibroids that we know is more common in black and Asian women or polycystic ovarian syndrome that's more common in Asian women, if we are to diagnose this earlier, then we are to have a much more positive impact in terms of either their ability to conceive spontaneously or for us to achieve a much better outcome um, if they are to seek fertility treatment. Thank you, Christine. And with people presenting later and then potentially then having to go down a fertility journey, what impact do you think this has in the workplace? And I think I'm also thinking about the, the stigma and the shame that we'll talk about with Nani as well that can come alongside this. So there are physical barriers as well, but also kind of cultural and barriers that come with it. And how might this affect people in the workplace in terms of being able to talk about it? I think for any woman or any person, irrespective of their backgrounds, there is the stigma attached to the difficulty to conceive if one wants to conceive. And often, sometimes we may think that if people come from particular cultural backgrounds, that there may be some cultural overlay, which may or may not necessarily be the case. Different people have different support networks. For some communities, they may feel much more comfortable to actually talk about any concerns within their family group or religious groups or cultural groups. For some people, actually, they tend to be more introverted and tend not to want to speak to their workmates. I mean, I don't know about most people on the call, but irrespective of cultural background, I tend not to speak to my workmates anyway. It's about those of us that work in HR and those of us who are employers to be cognizant of anyone who is having difficulty trying to conceive if they do raise that or if they're seeking fertility treatment. Saying that is also about understanding that not everybody may want to discuss with their employer about any concerns and actually to support them to use whichever channel that they find is useful. But I would say that primarily more than that, it is about access, having time to seek the care, get the investigations that they need. When I speak to people who are having difficulty in this area, that is often cited as the primary concern. I feel too embarrassed to say to my manager that I need time off because I'm having painful, heavy periods and I need a scan, or I'm not given that time off, or I'm worried about how that may be perceived and the implication as to me as an employee. And I think if we get that right, then actually that is the biggest steps that we can work towards for these individuals who often struggle in this space. 
thank you so much. And just moving on to you, Nonny, and Nonny has spoken with us as part of one of our F Word at Work Lunch and Learn sessions. So if you want to hear more about Nonny's story and you can listen to that, that's on our resource section of our website. But Nonny, you're still on your fertility journey and you've spoken with us in the past about the element of mistrust within the women who are members of your support platform when it comes to their reluctance to disclose at work. And can you tell us a little bit more about how they are feeling and what they might be going through? Yeah, sure. I think first of all, I always like to sort of start with saying black women or black people are not a monolith and so our experiences are so different. And I realise this particularly with the workplace issue. I felt comfortable to share at work, but a lot of the women in my support group have a huge mistrust. I do think that's layered. I think black women or black people in general have a, there's a layer of discrimination in the workplace, which is whether it's perceived or real, but we're always contending with that. And so I think when you add fertility to the mix, you know, it's not immune to that kind of feeling of, oh, how will they react because I'm a black woman trying to conceive? And then you think about the cultural layer of hyperfertility around, you know, the, the narrative around black people being so hyperfertile and, you know, motherhood and like how a lot of black women identify. So you add all these things to the mix. I think it just adds layers whether they're real or perceived, that make women sort of have a mistrust about sharing stuff in the workplace. And I think it also depends what kind of culture the workplace is, whether they feel safe to share. But a lot of the women in my support group, in fact, I think 99% of them said they don't wish to tell anybody at work and they would never, they have no desire to do that. And that was shocking for me, but only because I've had a completely different experience where I felt safe. I didn't think about my blackness before I spoke necessarily, but I felt that a safe space was created for me as a black woman at work experiencing fertility and what do you think organizations can do to help people feel safer to disclose and is it about representation when we're sharing stories and is it about everything that we've discussed today yeah I 100% agree with a lot of the things that were shared today I'm always cautious about representation because we do make a small minority of the population so to have representation in every company is mm -hmm. I feel a bit unrealistic you might not get that I think employers have to think about the policy if there's a policy to back up why you need to be off work for example or if there's a policy for if you have an unsuccessful IVF treatment what does that mean how do you come back to work do you take time off do you have compassionate leave things like that. So I think policy to back up why you might need support is important, but we can't forget the kind of relational layer as well at work. So with line managers, one of the things that the black women at work really talk about is when their own managers have shared with them something really vulnerable, they felt a bit more like, oh, maybe one day I'll be able to tell my manager mm -hmm. because she shared with me. And so the relational element of it is so important. And this is where kind of the black or white or, you know, race kind of comes out of it, because that relational thing is, I think most people want that. And I think particularly more with that disconnect, maybe if there is a disconnect between a black woman and a white manager, I think it's more important to kind of think about how can I relate to my employee a bit better and how can I kind of create a safe space that they feel this is not just about work and you're not a number coming to deliver, but how can I genuinely support you as your line manager? And so I think the relation element for me is much more important than a lot of the policies because you can have them. People will not necessarily support yeah. you. Yeah, and that's exactly what we say. It is, it's not just about having something written on paper. It's feeling safe in that environment to share and showing vulnerability as a line manager or within the organisation is so important because then it makes you you're a human. Everyone yeah. goes through these human issues and it's just recognising that it is something that is happening to people. So thank you so much for shining a light on that for us and for sharing. And I think we've actually kept to time, Natalie, which I can't believe, to allow some questions at the end. <laughs> 
Well, we know we've covered a lot within, it felt like quite a short space of time. We appreciate that it was, you know, almost 90 minutes and we have saved time for questions. We have got some that we're going to go back. This is the time, if you haven't yet shared them with us, we will continue to talk about these issues as part of our mission to raise awareness at Fertility Matters at Work. If you haven't yet listened to our podcast, The F Word at Work, you can hear more about the vast experiences from our community and thought leaders. We'll be sharing some of the audio from today on a future episode. Do let us know any questions, anything that surprised you. And we mentioned at the start, the next steps. Now here at Fertility Matters at Work, we are looking for the first 100 companies to become fertility friendly. And since we launched our services last November, we've been bowled over by the dedication shown by trailblazing organizations we've worked with so far. These include Selfridges, News UK, Virgin Media O2, Cadent Gas, Ferring Pharmaceuticals, Mediacom, The Home Office, that's to name a few. But we're delighted to announce that our doors are now open for 2023 and we'd like to invite you to a 30 minute demo of our training packages, which is happening a week today. We're going to be explaining how we support and train both line managers and all employees in becoming fertility friendly. I know there's been questions about resources and about support with policy. This is all part of how we can work with you. And what we hope from that conversation is that you will see the benefit of implementing these measures and utilizing our network. You've seen amazing speakers today and also the resources that we have in the development of your inclusivity and well-being agenda. Whether it's something you can implement in Q1 next year or Q4, we hope that you will show willing in your commitment to becoming fertility friendly. Now, we're going to share the link for you to register in the chat. We'll also be emailing it to you following this conversation where we'll share the recording of today. And you can also book a link to, to speak with us directly if you'd prefer. So I want to just see if we do have any questions. And then we're going to go back to the questions that we've had so far. I just want to pick up first and foremost from a comment from Emma talking about fertility stories, which so often do end with news of the baby, which is wonderful. But it's really important that those who go through unsuccessful rounds of IVF get the support that they need. And there's amazing organizations like Gateway for Women, which is headed by Jodie Day, and also Walk in Their Shoes, which is Berenice Smith, who's part of the Childless Week, which happens in September. And we have conversations with them on our F Word at Work, and we also have guidance in how these conversations from working with those organizations can be implemented into the workplace. And I've got a question here that I'm going to invite you, Becky and Emma and Lena, if you want to join as well. This person says, I'm currently supporting implementing a fertility policy in my workplace. I'm middle management, but have a lot of passion in this space, despite not having lived experience, no plans to start a family currently. I struggle to find the right balance between how much to lean on those with lived experience to supporting delivering change or act as champions for others, knowing the struggles that they have or have been going through. So any advice? Would you like to start with that, Becky? Yeah, I would say if you're worried that you're leaning too much on people who might be going through it and it might be hard for them, have a conversation and, and let them lead and say, look, I understand this might be emotional for you or you might be finding it difficult. But equally, some people can find it really cathartic to talk about and, and to feel like they're using their experience to make a change. So I would say do that. But also we're here to help if we can help in any way with the conversations that we share. So yeah, I think that would be my advice. I don't know whether Emma or Lena, you would want to add to that. Lena, you? Yeah, I think you said it all. I agree. I think I'd rely on them kind of saying how much they can or they can't. I 100% agree with everything that you said. I've got another one here. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Emma. No, I was just about to echo all that, really, because each organisation has the ability to be flexible within their workspace. And if you identify what would help you, please go to your manager and say, this would really benefit me. 
because sometimes you will know what would help and they may or may not be able to accommodate it, but it's a start. Thank you. Another question here saying, how do you deal with the pushback that this area is just a wellbeing issue and is a private issue, not for the workplace? How do we influence these views? Well, hopefully having these kinds of conversations and sharing them with your organisation will help that it's not just a wellbeing issue, that it's so much more. Anybody else like to add? Yes, I'm sorry for speaking again. That is the issue, really. Women's health and the effects on society and partners and family is seen as a personal issue. It has been traditionally in the workplace is seen as the masculine area. And so bringing the personal into this area is difficult, as we've seen with mental health. But unfortunately, when you talk about bottom line of losing your staff, skill shortage, we have to work. When you talk those languages, that is how we bring the personal into the public space. Because if we don't do that, if we don't recognise the inclusive diverse needs of everybody on this, then we will lose workers. So I talk financial when I'm talking to businesses that this is, makes financial sense to do these, to look after your employees. And I think also just to add that these sort of issues, it's impossible to leave them at home. They are something that it's so all consuming when you're going through this. It's impossible for it to impact the workplace. And so isn't it better to be proactive and think about, OK, how can we support? And like I was saying earlier, with some flexible working around this time to support that person, to retain that person, to engage that person, than to have somebody feeling like they're not recognised, they're not supported, they're just a number it doesn't matter to their employer what they're going on on the outside and, and, and actually leave that employer and then have to recruit someone else. It's, I think once you start hearing the stories about this, you realise it's not just a physical process that people are going through. It's not just a one-off appointment either. It's a series of appointments, but there's so much riding on it. And I think we touched on loss earlier and the feelings around loss and whether you go on to have a baby or whether things don't work out and how that impacts the individual as well. There's so many different nuances to it, which hopefully we've been able to start to bring to life today. And just look at the speakers that we've brought to you today to assume that this isn't a workplace issue when you can see so many different opinions and experiences. Hopefully that will help. And um, there are questions about this recording being shared, which it is going to be. Make sure you check out the link in the chat for how you can come and join us in a week's time. Noni, I know you've got something to add. Yeah, so I just wanted to add that I also think it's okay to be reactive. I know um, Wes made a point before about, you know, it will be nice to kind of come into a workplace and the policies and structures and cultural kind of the culture of the places there. But I think for, for me, working for a small tech company, they've been really reactive and it's been positive. So I think it's fine to be a place where you don't know, but you're willing to kind of know and do better and be reactive in that way. And, and not to be put off by that, I guess that's my point, that not to be put off that, oh, we've never done it, so let's not bother. But to be asking patients, I've been really instrumental in how we've changed how we look at fertility in the workplace. And I think it's okay to be in that space where you're kind of starting from ground zero, but you're willing to, to get better. Thank you. And Sean, I know you wanted to add something. Uh, to be fair, Nolly just covered what I was going to say, but it's also to echo back to something Wes said in that policy change is kind of a, a medium to long-term thing. It doesn't happen overnight, but a culture change can happen now, can happen today. And how you do the little things at work with your employees is how you do everything. If you make them feel comfortable in every aspect of how you look after them, then they'll feel comfortable to talk to you about the big aspects of fertility. So yeah, just how you do everything is how you do anything.
Thank you. And I know we've got a panellist with a hand up, so please do put the, uh, not a panellist, sorry, an attendee. So do let us know yeah. if you want to share that question. I just want to mention this comment that someone said to say, I'm a sole standing part-time HR professional. And I'm struggling to make sure I'm proactive enough to cover all areas employees require support with. I'm trying my best in regards to today's discussion. Is there a library of resources or support for HR professionals like me that we can use to be able to educate themselves on the various topics discussed here today? Well, we do have a lot of free resources on our website and we are constantly doing awareness raising conversations like you've heard today. So please do keep joining us. And that's amazing that you are trying to do what you are doing. I've got a quick question here. How could we start the conversation about spreading the word or starting uh, to support people in the workplace if we're starting from scratch? Well, share everything that you've learned today. Share as many of the free resources that you can from our website. And if you want to introduce us to your organisation, then, of course, we can come and have the conversations for you. But it has to start from somebody saying to someone, and often we get a lot of people that come to us because an employee has said, look at this. So I don't know whether you're working in a wellbeing or HR place or whether this is you here for personal interest. Just if you're happy to just spread that this conversation is happening and, and that we can help. I would also add to that within um, our resources, we have our white paper report, which was produced this year, and that's in conjunction with Manchester Metropolitan University. And that looks at different people's complex fertility journeys. And I think it's really important to bring research with it as, as well to kind of back up what you're saying. And, and we also have a number of resources on our website as well, just, just to allow you to start that conversation. And actually some of the most powerful conversations start from somebody who is going through it themselves or, and quite often people don't know what they don't know. We've said that so many times. And so you can bring it to their attention and then it might become something that's a priority for next year. And we've had a comment here saying, not a question, just a big thank you for all the speakers today. I'm a senior leader in a large organisation looking to make change with our HR team as I'm also going through treatment. You have all given many actions to go back to my workplace with. Thank you. And that was our intention. Nonny, oh, sorry, I thought I saw your hand was up, Nonny, but I think you've taken it down. It was just the previous question. I'm trying to remember what the question was now, but I, I just wanted to make a point that I saw with all Black Lives Matter story, how people got into a discussion about something that they were so afraid to talk about in the workplace. So the sensitivity and awareness training that happened around that time, I always think about it in the same way that I think about this, particularly as a Black woman. So when you think about where do I start, it is kind of what kind of conversations can you bring into the workplace? The same way we did that really uncomfortable discussion, mm -hmm. but it had to happen in the workplace because of what happened in the world so it's kind of thinking of it kind of like that not you know it's not as dark but just thinking of it in that way that you can sort of come from a place where you're afraid to talk about something where you can do it in a meaningful way the only thing I would say is it cannot be tokenistic it cannot just be a conversation nothing follows through from that exactly and that's why we want to be with you to help you implement this so just want to say thank you so much for joining us thank you to our panel so that was the end of our 90 minute session which ended with a Q&A section and Nonny there was making a really important point about the difficulties around some of these conversations and we said right at the start of this podcast the, this chunk of three that you know we're learning we're not always getting it right I mean we were we were nervous about the language and getting it right at the start because yeah. it can be clunky it can not be right for everyone but we tried and I hope that from what you've heard there weren't mistakes if there were feel free to comment if there's any language that we use that you didn't feel was quite fitting but I think we spent a lot of time thinking it through and talking it through and we scripted it. We don't normally script our conversations because we like to be as authentic as we can. But I think for our own just self-assurance, we felt more comfortable having a script. That 
language for us as an organization, Claire, again, is something that we're really keen to get right, aren't we? Yeah, I remember writing that script. It took us a very, very long time. Yeah, we were sat on a actually... we were sat on a bed in a hotel room. I'll set the scene for you. All three of us. <laughs> we sat on a bed in a hotel room in Milton Keynes, just ahead of the following day, going to Parliament to yeah. be a part of an amazing launch of the Fertility Workplace Pledge because that's how dedicated we are on getting <laughs> this conversation into the mainstream. We were working late. We, were, we, we had were. lots of chocolate, but anyway, I don't want to digress too much. That final part, talking about mm-hmm. issues around ethnicity and yeah. cultural issues. And again, we just started in the sense yeah. of what we could have talked about because we had to start somewhere. How do you think we did? Great starting, I think. And I think that it's very important that, you know, marginalised groups, again, get a voice at the table that I've mentioned in, in previous episodes. But Again, scratching the surface, we could have done easily 90 minutes on talking about the different challenges that colour, ethnicity, culture face. I'll be really excited to kind of explore that a little bit further as we as we evolve into 2023. And I know the conversations there and I know that, again, there are so many nuances that we can explore understand uh, bring bring to the forefront and having in our f word at work series to help others if you're listening to this and you're thinking about your organization because you're listening to this hopefully because you're in a leadership position and you're wanting to do better to support your your team your colleagues and if you're thinking of 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 your your people and thinking i could certainly help you with you know that conversation from my own place of work you know get in touch with us because the more examples of people wanting to have this conversation within their organization and the more organizations that we can ultimately support to build this type of conversation, then we will be reaching our aim of trying to find the first 100 fertility friendly companies. And we've got goals. Obviously, we want to achieve these numbers because we feel very passionately about this word reaching far and wide we're not going to stop at 100 we're going to try to get the first 100 as our first goal but just to say if if this has made you think in any way please do get in touch you can visit fertilitymattersatwork.com to get in touch there's loads of free resources there there'll be details in the show notes of how you can get in touch as well we'll also be keeping you up to date on future events so if you want to sign up to our mailing list it's a great way for you to know what's coming we're always publicizing it on our social media which you'll hear at the end And you get to talk to us and just share ideas and share thoughts. And we've had an amazing year. We're coming to the end of the year as we're sharing this podcast. We've had an amazing year of conversations, haven't we? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely incredible. Part of me thinks, I I just can't believe how much we've achieved in the last 12 months. It's a bit mind-blowing really, isn't it? And it's just the start. Yeah. This conversation isn't going anywhere, ultimately. We're here to support you at Fertility Matters at Work. We thank you for listening. Do rate and review, subscribe and share this podcast and we hope you carry on listening. Thanks for your support. Do follow us on our socials at Fertility Matters at Work on Instagram and LinkedIn. It's where we share the free events that we have as well as survey findings and lots of interesting conversations from our community. We're at Fert Matters Work on Twitter. Plus, we've got loads of free resources at fertilitymattersatwork.com. If from what we've shared with you, you feel ready to talk more about how your organisation can become fertility friendly, do book a call via the website link. It will be great to hear from you.